morning, everybody. Thank you for being here this morning. I uh, am always having a time with the privilege to be able to preach when the pastor's away, uh, and uh, today is uh, uh, as well. But uh, we'll have a, a message this morning on uh, our Independence Day. And uh, I'd like for you to pray for us as we uh, go forward today. I've already been blessed by all the great music and the wonderful singing, as, as well uh, as you, I'm sure. So um, uh, I'd like for uh, us to uh, have a word of prayer, and we'll begin our morning service. Heavenly Father, thank you for this um, uh, time together with your people. And I ask that you take the word of God and bless it to our hearts and the Holy Spirit as uh, only you can, and we'll thank you for what you do. Please speak to my heart. Please speak to each uh, heart here today. And those that are listening uh, online, I pray that you'd be with them as well. Open their eyes and hearts, Lord, uh, to, your, um, to your word. And we do give you thanks for it, for our great country, for the people that fight for it, for the people that uh, stand strong uh, to keep it as it is uh, uh, with uh, faith in you. Now be with us today. We praise you and thank you for all that you're going to do. And in your name we pray. Amen. Glory, glory, hallelujah. I'm going to teach you a Japanese word this morning. Are you, you got your, uh, all right, the word is hallelujah, okay? I'm going to teach it to you. Uh, in Japanese, it's hallelujah. <laughs> I believe it's the only word translated the same uh, in all the countries of the world. So, uh, hallelujah. Uh, anyway, this is the July 4th weekend, and I'd like to give an address uh, basically today about the state uh, of our nation. Uh, this will not be a three or four point sermon, just to talk to our church people uh, about how America is doing. And since I'm sure you know her condition, uh, you'll know this will not be just a sermonette. <laughs> so, um, but I love this time of celebration in America. I love the fireworks and cookout times with family. Uh, I love what it represents as much as anything else about this day. When I was in Japan, we didn't have a July 4th celebration, but there were uh, fireworks throughout the summer. And uh, you can't, I don't know, I got, I'll go look. Ah, not too bad, I guess. But, uh, but anyway, we had celebrations of, uh, we just had celebrations of fireworks throughout the summer in different places and at different times. Uh, so that was a, a lot of fun uh, going as a family to watch them. I remember one time we as a family were, were going across Tokyo to watch some fireworks and it just so happened that it was a rainy night. Uh, and so on the way there, it was, we uh, commented how, how wonderful the fireworks was because all the way there and all the way back, uh, there was lightning and, and God gave us a lightning fireworks show. So I thought that was pretty cool. But, uh, but uh, um, the, uh, they, uh, in Japan, before the fireworks show, they usually announce how many uh, rockets that they will shoot up in the air. Uh, it's usually online. Uh, and... Uh, uh, one that I have been to uh, once or twice is the Sumidagawa Fireworks. Uh, they have over 20,000 uh, fireworks uh, there, one of the most popular ones in, 
uh, just being in Tokyo, over a million people uh, will go uh, by train or however, not too many by car, but mostly uh, by train to go and watch that uh, uh, fire show. And, uh, and, and it is over the Sumidagawa River, but uh, that fireworks show actually dates back all the way to 1733 during what we call the Edo, uh, Edo period. And, um, but uh, anyway, there uh, are quite a few fireworks shows that have uh, 20,000 or so uh, during, the, uh, uh, during the summer. Uh, our, uh, our rainy season just ended. Uh, maybe a week, maybe a couple weeks ago. And so when we hit in July and August, it's very hot and humid. And, uh, and so people enjoy uh, going out in, their early, uh, in the evenings and watching the fireworks. Many of them will wear kimonos. What we actually, in the summer, we don't call it a kimono. Uh, we call it a um, uh, yukata. The, well, the, uh, the women have what they call a yukata and the men will have something like, uh, not like uh, the women's, but uh, they will also have some kind of a yukata or something like that, a summer type of kimono that they'll wear just to watch the fireworks uh, display. But um, uh, at Lake Suwa, just in the uh, prefecture of Nagano, uh, they, about three hours from Tokyo, uh, they have uh, over 40,000 rockets launched. And, uh, and then in one place, which I've never been to, uh, they advertised the world world's largest firework uh, display. Uh, one of those fireworks weighs 930 pounds, and it rises 2,700 feet high, and it has a circumference bloom of over 2,400 feet across. But uh, anyway, here's, here's just a few of the pictures that uh, I have taken. Uh, this is right downtown Tokyo. This is at the Sumidagawa fireworks. You see the tallest building in Japan in the background. They call that, call that Sky Tree. Uh, Tokyo Tower used to be the tallest one, but this is the tallest one now. So you can imagine how the fireworks uh, look from uh, the Sky Tree at night. But these are just a few of the fireworks that they have in, in Japan. Beautiful displays. I mean, actually, you look at it, it doesn't look like a firework display, but uh, they actually are fireworks, and uh, they, they uh, really go all out. Uh, so it, to us, it's a very uh, a wonderful time in Japan to be able to look at, uh, look at them. Um, the, the closest town that we have, uh, the city of Tachikawa, there's about 5,000 uh, fireworks. I think it's about 5,000 anyway. I didn't count them, but it's about that way. <laughs> anyway. But anyway, now back to the message. Um, uh, but uh, if I were to speak to you today, not as a preacher, but as the President of the United States, there uh, are some important things that I should share with you, especially concerning what state and what condition our country is in today. Folks, uh, I already sound like President Biden, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> Folks, our country is not doing good. Uh, maybe you've noticed, but uh, it has to be said by someone. On the celebration of our independence this year of 2022, if we desire uh, to continue to celebrate this day and our liberties and our freedoms, our nation has a great need to reflect on its condition. Boiling it down, you and I uh, and all that hear this message, uh, whether by uh, uh, online, because we are individual members of this society, 
we all must reflect upon our innermost being and upon our important responsibilities to God and to man. About 600 years before Christ, God sent the prophet Jeremiah to his people to give them a stern warning of the direction their country was headed. Now, Jeremiah was from a priestly family and from a priestly town that was just a few short miles from Jerusalem. So he grew up knowing God's word, and he was greatly influenced by the writings of, uh, of other prophets that were in uh, a few centuries before him, the 8th century, uh, basically Isaiah, Amos, Jose, Micah, and even possibly Elijah and Elijah. And so he started off his ministry when he was probably between the ages of 17 and 20. But part of his first conversation with the Lord is recorded in Jeremiah 1, verses 6 and 7. If, if you would like to open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, I have it up here on the screen for those who can't read your Bibles. A little bit of a help here. But uh, I, uh, if you have your Bibles, open it to Jeremiah chapter 1, and I will read verses 6 and 7. It says, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. In other words, nobody's going to touch Jeremiah without God's approval. Okay? Uh, he had a pretty heavy message. And, and, uh, and Jeremiah knew that. <laughs> but uh, even as young as Jeremiah was, 17 years old, God had to inform that prophet that God had a very important ministry for him and that he was in God's heart way before this time. And now if you'll look in verse 5, it says here, it says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest Forth out of the womb I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Jeremiah was in the mind and plans of God way before he ever existed in the womb of his dear mother. Who can imagine such a thing? Wow. God said, I formed thee. I knew thee. I sanctified thee. I anointed thee. Wow. Um, I could go. I could go on with that. <laughs> uh, I could go into the ministry with those words, and, and you know what? Everybody that goes into the ministry goes into the ministry. Can go into the ministry with these words. Whoever you are, God knew us. God uh, formed us. God sanctifies us and God anoints us for his ministry. Each and every one of you and each and every one of our missionaries, uh, God's people that want to serve him, his hand is upon us. And nobody can touch us without his approval. Someone well said that your gender was assigned to you by God and God wasn't confused. <laughs> I like that. I read that on Facebook this week. <laughs> yeah, God, God, you, uh, every gender, uh, your gender was assigned to you by God, and God's not confused. 
On Friday, June 24th, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, holding that there is no longer a federal constitution, constitutional right to abortion. So going forward, abor abortion rights will be determined by the states, and already many states have or will pass laws that will restrict the procedure. But for the sake of the unborn, I think this was the only right decision to be made. And someone has to be the voice of these innocent souls that God himself has created. In Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 34, we have these words. In thy skirts is found the blood of the souls of the poor innocents. That is striking. But that is, uh, that is what's going on around the world. In verse 35 it says, Yet thou sayest, because I am innocent, surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, I will plead with thee, because thou sayest, I have not sinned. You know, people may say, uh, Oh, we do nothing wrong in aborting the souls of the innocent. However, I think that these statements of so-called no wrongdoing makes them and these people even more guilty in the, side, in the eyes of the Lord. And so many try to justify their wicked pursuits of recreational love and premarital sex uh, and or adultery. And then they advocate it in society and encourage others to do so as well. That makes it wrong in the eyes of the Lord. And, and you know, millions push abortion because they erroneously think that in the womb is merely an inhuman thing. But God sees a viable living soul. And think about this. Jeremiah was known of God before his mother even knew of him. By the way, you and I also were known of God. Uh, 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 and you know, uh, I, I just heard this week, I believe that of, uh, of all the abortions that are made in our country... 94% of them have nothing to do with the woman's health. Uh, I, I, believe I, I believe that is correct. I believe I just heard that this week. But, uh, but um, you know, God knew that I was going to be a missionary to Japan before my mother did. <laughs> before she even gave birth to me, God knew that. And, uh, and uh, I'm thankful for my dear mother. She's back there praying for me, hopefully. <laughs> but, you know, evidently, God knew Jeremiah had to have this knowledge at the very beginning of his long ministry of 40 years because it would be a very difficult work for him. Uh, but Jeremiah has the touch of God upon his life. And then in Jeremiah uh, 1, 9, it says here, uh, here's, here's uh, the testimony uh, it says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So fast forward. God no longer could recognize the country of Judah. Uh, Israel, the northern uh, kingdom, uh, had already fallen like a hundred years before this by the Assyrians. But Judah still had some good kings. And one of them was Josiah. I'm sure you've read of him in the Old Testament. Uh, uh, he, he reigned during uh, the, 
prophesying of Jeremiah. In fact, it was probably uh, Jeremiah's prophecies that had a great influence upon him. And so when God tells, Jer uh, so when Jeremiah says in 1 9 that he received God's word to build and to plant, no doubt that was his work uh, uh, with the uh, uh, King Josiah at the time. But, uh, uh, but before the days of Jeremiah, Judah had a fear of God and she had a love for her fellow man. But now, what happens? God does not recognize what Judah had become. Judah used to have embedded principles of honor and integrity. But God says, look at Judah now and, and what it's become and how it's behaving. So God gave Jeremiah his word, and in many different ways, God warned Judah of dire consequences if they did not repent. And by the way, I look at our country today, and it's not the country I knew way back when. It's not the country I knew. I, I was sharing with somebody this week. Uh, I, I went to a public school all of my life. I remember when I was in a public school, I went to, I, went to, uh, I, I was in high school at the time. I went to high school without a belt on. And you know, I would have been sent home if my mother didn't bring a belt. <laughs> uh, and we had to have our shirts tucked in. The girls, uh, girls had to have uh, uh, decent uh, length dresses on. And the guys had to have short hair or fairly short hair. This was a public school. And you know the country that we, uh, I think it was Brother Dave Smith said that I would not recognize, uh, I would be afraid if I walked into a public school today. And I probably would. But uh, God gave Jeremiah his word. And now in uh, Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 1, it says here, Now Pashur, the son of Immer, the priest, who, also, uh, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard, this is chapter 20, by the way, in verse 1. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 1. It says, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things, these dire consequences for Judah. Then Pashur smote Jeremiah the prophet, and he put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. And here we see the prophet being whipped, uh, no doubt with 39 cruel stripes. Then he's exposed to the vulgarity of the people and, and humiliated publicly by being put in stocks at the main gate. And then he's imprisoned overnight uh, by this deputy high priest. And this is all done because of the things, these things that Jeremiah was prophesying. Now, an incredible thing happens here. God seems to have appeared to Jeremiah with a new name for the deputy high priest. Let, let's read about it. It's in chapter 20 and verse 3, where it says, And it came to pass on the morrow that Pashur brought forth uh, Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then said Jeremiah unto him, The Lord hath not called thy name Pashur, but uh, Magor Misabib. Now, this name, uh, Pashur, this was a pretty popular name back in Bible times. In fact, uh, there are several of, uh, people uh, with this name that appear in uh, the Bible. But in fact, several priests had this name. Um, and uh, according to uh, one of the etymologists that I've read, 
It means one abounding or increased in liberty. It is also often translated tranquility or peace. But think of that. One, what a what a um, what a cool name, right? <laughs> what a cool name. One abounding or increased in liberty. America, up until recently, was known as a nation abounding and increased in liberty. I mean, no other country in the world has anything like their like our Statue of Liberty. That statue, which uh, we also called Lady Liberty. Stands tall on Liberty Island in New York Harbor. Uh, how many have seen it? Been to it? It's, um, it's a re- representation of the one thing that our country has been known for, and that is liberty. What a blessed nation we have been just because of this great ideal of liberty for all. What a blessed nation uh, we have been. Uh, because of our declaration of independence. Uh, You know it. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Oh, well, you know the story. (laughs) You know know the rest of it. (laughs) Anyway, no, it's it's great. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights among these our life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. When I think of true liberty, folks, uh, men and women, I think of tranquility. I think of peace. I think of happiness. And that is exactly why our nation, the United States of America, was founded so that men and women could be increased with liberty and freedom, happiness, and peace. I was in church one Sunday. Uh, one of my church people in Japan there, she they often heard that, you know, um, uh, people say that America was is uh, the greatest nation on the earth. And I had a, a lady come to me, and she asked me, so why do Americans think that America is the greatest, greatest place? And uh, I asked her, how much time do you have? <laughs> and... Uh, I didn't. I don't have enough time to explain why we have been a great nation, but I'll tell you one reason why. is because there's liberty. There has been liberty um, uh, here. But, you know, I think, folks, our liberty is slowly disappearing, uh, especially of late. Uh, we can't recognize, I can't recognize our country anymore. Schools are being taken over. And we're about to uh, lose our freedoms of religion and our freedoms of government control and freedom from overbearing politicians and oh, to get back to a nation that loves liberty for all. Thankfully, this month, the Supreme Court rightly determined that an individual that is employed by a school does not forfeit his or her constitutional right to free expression by simply entering the school gate, or in this case, by entering the field of play by a coach. They don't forfeit their, their freedoms uh, there, and I'm glad they determined that. But many people in our country in the last few years, they have lost jobs uh, with the military uh, or the hospital 
uh, or uh, with the airlines because they did not want to be forced by our government to take a COVID shot that we are unsure of any harmful effects. And for that, they either had to give up their liberty and take the shot or refuse it and lose their job. How sad this has happened in the United States of America, the land of the free, huh? But many people uh, have suffered in this way. In that Old Testament Hebrew name, Pashur, we can find liberty and tranquility, and it reveals the abounding or increasing, uh, the increasing of liberty. However, this kind of true freedom and liberty and true tranquility that can change us, you and I, in a spiritual way, only comes to us through the name of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we have spiritual freedom that no one but Christ can give us. Jesus said, and I'll put it up here, Jesus said in John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you, let your, not be heart, your, not, let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then in Luke 4, 18, it says here, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he, this is the words of the Lord, uh, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. These are the words of our Lord, Luke 4, 18. And then Romans 8, 21. We have this, the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And then in John 16, 33, Jesus promised, These things I have spoken to you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And a few days after Christ arose from the dead, he appeared to the believers to his believers, and declared something beautiful to them. In John chapter 20, at verse 19, he says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where their disciples were assembled for, for fear, it says, for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Uh, they were fearful. Jesus knew it. And he said, Peace be unto you. Uh, and, and, and so, um, uh, and then we have uh, in Acts chapter 10 and verse 35, uh, it says here, but in every nation, he that feareth him, that's God, who feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. Now, we, now uh, uh, we, we think peace is absence of war. But folks, there's a, spiritual, uh, there's a spiritual peace that nobody can know unless they know Jesus Christ is their own personal Savior. And unless you know Christ as your personal Savior, you haven't experienced true, true peace and liberty. And when Jeremiah was brought uh, forth out of the prison, and, and uh, 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 I think we have it here. Uh, this is uh, in Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 3. 
it says here, And it came to pass on the morrow that Pashur brought forth Jeremiah out of the stocks, then said unto, and then said Jeremiah to, unto him, The Lord hath not called thy name Pashur, but Magor Misabib. And God told Jeremiah to refer to him uh, from then on, not with that noble name, but with an entirely different name. Uh, Magor Misabib which means terror or fear on every side. In other words, this man would be followed by terrors everywhere. Uh, he would have no escape from trouble. And uh, the why is given to us in Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 5. It says here in Jeremiah 7, verse 5, For if ye thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, that, that's the ultimatum right there. And God tells them that they needed to repent and amend their ways. And to God, his moral law means, it means something. Um, justice has to be enforced, God told them. Uh, in the following verses of Jeremiah chapter 7, there are revealed four things that the country needed to be repented of. One of them deals with the man's re relationship with God, and the three and three others of them deal with the man's relationship to his fellow man. God absolutely tells Pashur that idolatry is one of the biggest issue, issues that he has with Judah. But also, verse 5 in chapter 7, he clearly tells uh, us that God requires justice too. Now, concerning justice. This week, I heard two statements referring to justice uh, being needed in our country. Someone said, and I took this off the news, living in Chicago comes with a price. Now, I, I, I know Chicago. I've lived in Chicago. Uh, uh, when I got married, I had a bus route uh, in Chicago, and I took my wife up there. And the very first Saturday, they were up there visiting, not but a couple blocks away, she heard gunshots. <laughs> and uh, I, I know Chicago. But uh, they said living in Chicago comes with a price. And this was said after, I believe, a 20-year-old lady was shot from point-blank range from behind as she was pushing her three-month-old baby in a stroller. And I think this could be said of many cities throughout our nation. Uh, living in Detroit comes with a price. Living in Flint, living in Saginaw, living in New York City comes with a price. The price is no justice. <laughs> and uh, another one said, ours is a culture of death. This is America. America, ours is a culture of death. That's a pretty sad statement. Uh, for our country. And the third one this week said, when explaining why policemen are quitting their jobs, he said it's because of the revolving door of justice. The police will arrest a criminal, put them in jail, then the revolving door lets them out. And how can we say this is right, this is justice? My nephew just last month was sworn in as a police officer in Oakland County. And I thank God we still have men and women uh, who desire to serve uh, and expect justice. Um, 
But they see the need to thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor. I saw a cartoon uh, on Facebook again where Lucy and Charlie Brown, they were having a conversation. Lucy was telling him that she had heard that they were going to create hundreds of new laws this year. To which Charlie Brown answered, until we learn to follow the ten that God gave us, nothing will ever change. <laughs> uh, you know, it doesn't take somebody very intelligent to know that truth. We have ten laws that God wants us to obey. And until we are there, forget change. It won't happen. Anyway, God sent Jeremiah to the king of Judah. And this is in chapter 22 and verses 11 and 12. I believe I have it here. But it says here, For thus saith the Lord, touching Shalom. And that's a, a.k.a. Jehoiakim. It's the king at the time. It says, The son of Josiah, king of Judah, which reigned instead of Josiah his father, which went forth out of this place, he shall not return thither anymore. This is the message that uh, 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 Jeremiah had to deliver. He says, You and your country are done for. I hope that never uh, comes down upon us. But um, uh, he, he would never again see his country again. And none of his children would even reign. But, uh, but God said in, in, in chapter 22, uh, verse 20, he says, From the beautiful uh, cedar forest of Lebanon in the north, where you've taken all those cedar trees to build your palaces, down to the southeast to the mountain range of Abiram, from where Moses viewed the promised land and everything uh, in between, it will be soon invaded. Your kingship will be done. And none of your sons will ever rule again. And, uh, and God says in 22.18, not even to lament for him. Wow, that sounds pretty solemn if you ask me. But Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, he, he would invade for the third time. 17 years before, he invaded and took away the, the brightest of, the, of, uh, of Israel, uh, Daniel uh, included. And then 10 years uh, before, uh, he invaded again and took uh, Ezekiel and some of the other, uh, other uh, uh, of Israel and treasures. And, and, and now this will be the third and last time he would invade. But, uh, but uh, uh, as... I read the book of Jeremiah more and more. I think of the condition of our country. And what is interesting is that after God tells Jeremiah to refer to this deputy high priest as uh, Magor Misabib in verse, chapter 22, verse 10, uh, we, I believe I have that here. Whoops, wrong place there. Uh, uh, not quite there yet, but anyway, um, uh, instead of uh, verse 20, yeah, Jeremiah 22, and I'm going to read that for you here. In verse 10, it says here, uh, Weep ye not for the dead, neither bemoan him, but weep sore for him that goeth away, for he shall return no more, nor see his native country. And, and, uh, and, uh, and so we see that uh, instead of Pashur, uh, we read that the people of Judah call and defame Jeremiah with the same name. Uh, and this is what we have on the screen here. Uh, and uh, it says, for, 
uh, for I have heard, it says here, for I heard the defaming of many, fear on every side. And what do we have here? Uh, we have the people who are mocking Jeremiah and his message of this uh, catastrophe that is coming. And they, they call Jeremiah Magor and Misabib against, against him. And they're blaming him for what's going to happen and not themselves. And for all the bad uh, that was about to happen, uh, they blame the prophet Jeremiah, and they actually call him by the name of Magor Misabib. And, uh, uh, and you know, you think about it, doesn't that sound familiar in our own country? There are those whose morals are out of the window, so to speak, <laughs> uh, and yet they are so anti-Christian. Uh, they don't cease to make God's people out as being the bad guy. Uh, uh, and then in, in chapter 20 and verse 10, uh, I want to read that. I, I was in the wrong chapter when I was reading there. But in the, chapter 20 and verse 10, it says, For I heard the defaming of many, fear on every side. Report, say they, and we will report it. You know, um, you see what Jeremiah is talking about here? He's talking about fake news. Uh, you report it, and we'll write it. Uh, you report it, and we'll publish it. Russian collusion, report it. Uh, report rumors against Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah, and we'll write it. Spread false reports of uh, this calamitous uh, climate change, and, and we'll write it and set it in stone. Uh, we shall cause Jeremiah to desist, uh, or at the very least, we'll threaten him. Report insurrection, and we'll write it. Report racism, and we'll write it. Uh, write it, report it, we'll publish it. And... Uh, and is prevalent in the United States today. It says in verse 10, we shall prevail against him and we shall take, oh, take our revenge on him. And sadly, this is what is happening. In Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9, it says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I was very weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Jeremiah here, um, uh, he, he was ready to quit. Uh, he, he had enough. But you know, he couldn't give up his ministry because he knew he was called of God. And what servants of God have not at one time or, or another felt the same way as Jeremiah did, ready to give up. Uh, but God's word was like a fire burning in his soul, and he couldn't reverse uh, his calling. He was tempted, but, uh, uh, but uh, we know uh, he could not give up his calling. Uh, just like we are at times, we know we should speak up for God and for patriotism and for the, uh, for the love of our country, which we should speak out. But, uh, but I'm telling you here today, we cannot be silent. Uh, telling the truth of the condition of our, uh, of our country and the condition of its people. Uh, it may be burdensome to tell the truth, but not as much as if we said nothing. Uh, and let people go to hell and our country keep going in the direction that it is going. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. 
It says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. I'm, I'm a, this is my last verse, uh, but let me just say this. God tells us like it is. One of two evils, one of our two evils is to leave the fountain of living waters. God himself, who alone satisfies all spiritual thirst. And the second evil, we're digging and digging and digging a well, a cistern, a reservoir for drinking water. But all our efforts are to no avail. It will break and we'll be left high and dry, so to speak. Because we leave God thinking we have all the answers. We can't do what needs to be done without God's help. This is what God is telling us. And the same is with salvation. I asked somebody, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Well, I'm trying the best I can. Well, it's time to quit digging. It's time to quit trying and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you know, we just need to quit trying and believe in Christ. Our true fountain of living waters. To speak the truth is a huge responsibility and often a terrific weight. So it is when we preach Christ. But we will not stop preaching the gospel since we know it is the only power to change the lives for eternity. Let's pray. Folks, we cannot, as you, with your heads bowed and your eyes 